morning, church. Glad you're here this morning. I want to encourage you. Um, starting next week, we're going to begin a five-week series, because today we're going to wrap up Galatians, but we're going to begin a five-week series on something we've not talked about in almost the five years that I've been here. We're going to start five weeks on the idea of worship, and we're going to talk about the object of our worship, what we've made worship, uh, what worship is supposed to be, and we're going to look at all those kind of intricacies over the, the next week and all the way through the month of June, so we want to make sure that you're here and a part for that time. Now today, we're going to wrap up our series in the book of Galatians. And as I tell people all the time, it's for me, it's kind of bittersweet because we've spent like the last 15 weeks in the book of Galatians. So I feel like I'm losing a friend today, but I'm excited about what we come to the passage today. I'm excited about what the Apostle Paul is going to challenge us with today, because as we've gone through this journey, what we found out in the first four chapters is that Paul pleads his case with the Christians in the area of Galatia. He's pleading his case, reminding them that the salvation you have, that your salvation and your right standing with God is, is apart from your works. It simply comes by faith. If you believe that this morning, say amen. So he says, I want you to know that. So he pleads this case, and he gives really four different kinds of arguments. And then we get to chapter 5, and he gives us this preamble kind of statement, this, this, this kind of amazing moment, this crescendo moment in the book of Galatians. He says, those of you that have faith in Christ, well, Christ has set you what? Free. You don't sound very enthusiastic about that, so we're going to try that again. Christ has set you what? Free. free. You are free. You are free indeed. You are free from the bondage of sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and you are free to live for Christ. But Paul says, wait a minute, in that freedom, don't abuse that freedom. Don't use your freedom to, to pursue the desires of the flesh. And Paul's like, if you don't know what that is, let me tell you. So Paul clearly defines for us what the works of the flesh look like. Some are physical, some are spiritual and religious. There are just a ton of them listed in Galatians chapter 5. And Paul tells us these are the works of the flesh. Don't get caught up pursuing these things because you're free. But then he tells us if we're going to live in freedom, if we're going to walk by the Spirit, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, that's going to produce something in our lives that a lost and a broken world need to see. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That if we live the kind of life that's honoring and pleasing to God, it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And all these things, all nine of them, that's what it produces in our lives. And then last week, we saw Paul begin to shift the narrative a little bit. He begins to tell the churches in Galatia, here's what it means for the body of Christ to function as a family. Now listen, I rarely say this, but if you weren't here last week, you need to go back and listen to last week. Because as a family, if we're going to continue to be a healthy, a growing, maturing family, we need to put into practice the very things Paul talked about last week. He said, listen, if you're going to be the family of God, here's what you've got to do. You've got to care for people in need. That means sometimes you've got to go restore a fallen brother. That means sometimes you've got to go carry someone else's burdens. But not only that, we need to make sure that we have a heart to be good not just to the world, he's in particular good to those that are the household of faith, good to each other. Now today Paul's going to end this book with the, probably the greatest challenge throughout the whole book. He basically ends with this kind of challenge. How are you going to live from this point forward? 
Now that I've told you that your faith is what saved you, it's what gives you right standing, now that you know that you're free in Christ and you should walk in Christ and produce the fruit of the Spirit, now you know how to function as the family of God, how are you going to live the rest of your life? Are you going to live your life, you know, boasting in the flesh what you can do and what you have done and your accolades and your portfolio? Are you going to live your life boasting in the cross? And I think, listen, listen, I think that's a question that we should all ask ourselves this morning. How are we living our lives? Are we boasting in our accolades and in our flesh and what we can do and what we have done? Are we boasting in what Jesus has done for us? So Paul's going to address that today in Galatians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 11. And once again, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's Word. This is the Word of God sent through the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul to pen these words. See with large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. In other words, Paul was like many of us. He couldn't see very well. So he says this in verse 12. It is those who want to make good showings in the flesh who force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to you to be circumcised and that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk in this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, and amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, as we come to the climax and the end of this book, may God, may you challenge us today about how we're going to live. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you look at this passage, there are really two truths that I want to see. And the first truth is the truth about those who boast in the flesh. I want you to look with me about the truth of those who boast in the flesh. And there's really three things that Paul's going to say. Now, those who boast in the flesh, we're talking about those who say, I'm going to spend my life boasting in what I have done, what I can do. And if you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because in the book of Galatians, the Judaizers have come along and wanted them to buy into this notion that it's what you did that saved you. It's what you did that gives you right standing. And what they did was circumcision, right? He's like, look, what you did was power. And Paul says, that's not powerful, had nothing to do with your salvation, had nothing to do with your right standing. And so you've got to make a choice. Are you going to spend your life boasting in the flesh what you have done, what you have accomplished, and what you and all your accolades can do? He says, if you're going to do that, there's three things we need to know. Here's the first thing. Those people, they're fake. Look at me in verse 12. He says this. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. It is those people who want to boast in the flesh, who want to boast about what they can do and what they can accomplish, they are spiritually fake. They have created a facade. They want you to look on them from the outside and make some assumptions about them, but it does not reflect the true nature and character of their own heart. 
These people are fakes. All they care about is outward appearance. Did you pick up on the word he used there? They want to make a good what? Showing. They want to present themselves to everyone around them like, man, I've got it together. Life is good. I'm on top of the world. You want to be like me? How many of you got everything together today? I sure don't. That's why I need to sing what we sing about, right? That's why I need to remember all hell, King Jesus, because he's in control. Thank God Doug is not, right? And so when you come to this passage, we see that these people are fake. All they care about is outward appearances. That's why they focused on circumcision. It's an outward demonstration of what they want. And so that's all they focus on. And so people who obviously want to boast in the flesh care about the outward stuff, not about the heart. They care about what they can present to everybody else, not about what's wrecking them in their soul. So I think it's important for us to ask ourselves this question. How much, and see, these people only care about to impress people, right? That's all they care about. So how hard do we work to impress other people? How hard do we work to create this facade that we are something that we are not? Can I tell you what I love about this church? This is a place filled with jacked up, messed up, broken people. And they're led by the same kind of guy. So if you're messed up, you found the right place. If you're broken, you found a place to call home. If you've got it figured out, there's probably another church down the road waiting for you. Because I'm messed up, aren't you? And see, these people, we got to ask ourselves, how hard are we working to impress other people? Are we trying to impress them with our wealth, our strength, our knowledge? Are we doing all we can to maintain outward appearances, but yet not addressing the very hurt and nature that's going on in our heart and our soul? See, those who want to boast about the flesh, who want to boast about what they've accomplished, he says they're spiritually fake. He also says they are spiritually, they're a fraud. Look at me in the very end of verse 12. He says, and order that, so in other words, they want to make this good showing, and order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So these are people who say they love Jesus, they want to live for Jesus, but by all means don't want to do anything that's going to cause them to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. They'd rather maintain an outward appearance because they want to avoid persecution at every level. So they claim to be a Christian, and so these people that claim to be Christians, that they're boasting in the flesh, well, first of all, they're fake because all they want to do is impress people. But now they're also not just a fake, they're a fraud because by no means do they want to suffer for the name of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, here's what you know. Here's what they knew. That if you preach the gospel, if you preach the good news of Jesus Christ, listen to me, church, it is offensive. Because when you talk about the cross, you have to talk about how we are all sinners. When you talk about the cross, you've got to talk about how all of us are going to spend eternity separated from God. When you talk about the cross, you've got to talk about we in our own strength, in our own power, in our best day, in our best attitude, in our best Sunday clothes, can't do enough to earn satisfaction and approval from God. It took the cross to bring forgiveness. And when you tell people that, that's offensive. That you aren't ever going to be good enough. That's offensive. 
So rather than me being persecuted, rather than me being ostracized, I'm just not going to talk about the cross. It's too offensive. And Paul says, these people, they are frauds. In fact, they value the approval of man over the approval of God. How about us? Do we value the approval of man over God? Well, Doug, how do I know? Well, here's just an example off the top of my head. Let's say you're at your workplace or, or you're around friends, you're in your social circles, and this issue of faith arises, and this issue comes up, and they're talking about Jesus and talking about all that went on. Do you have a tendency to stand up for your faith, to stand up for Jesus, and to tell them the truth and love and grace and mercy? Or do you have a tendency to cower to the background and go, you know, I'd rather just stay silent because, you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. You know, I, I, I'm going to stay silent. Well, what are you doing if you do that? You're seeking the approval of man, not the approval of God. See, people who boast in the flesh, boast in what they can do and what they have done, are fake because they want to impress others. They're a fraud because they care more about the approval of man. And last of all on this, they're phony. Verse 13, look what it says. For even those who are circumcised, check this out, do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, they hold other people to a standard that they are not willing to live to themselves. So there are people that have been circumcised who don't want to keep the law, but they're telling you to be circumcised and to keep the law. That sounds like, for many of us, our parenting strategy, right? Don't do what I do, do what I what? Say, right? And what is that called? Hypocrisy is what that's called. Hypocrisy. When we tell people to live one way, but yet we choose to live another way. And those who boast in the flesh, that's exactly what they do. Those who boast about what they can do and what they've done, they care only about impressing other people. They care only about the approval of man. And they care only about you keeping the rules. They don't care about them keeping the rules themselves. So those who boast in the flesh are fake because they only want them to impress others. They're a fraud because they have no desire to be persecuted for the faith. And they're a phony because they impose restrictions on others that they themselves aren't willing to keep. Does that sound like anybody in the room? Second truth I want you to notice is this. The truth of those who boast in the cross. The truth of those who boast in the cross and the first thing we're going to see about those who boast on the cross is they recognize their new, their new identity. They recognize their new identity. Look at me in verse 14, the very first part. He says this, but far be it from me to boast except in what? Except in what, church? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if I'm going to boast in anything, if I'm going to brag about anything, it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about what I could do. It's not going to be what I have done. It's going to be what Jesus has done for me. Now, why would Paul say this? Because Paul understood something I hope we get. The cross changes everything. The cro Paul would say the cross changed him. What Jesus did changed him. And the only thing he could find the strength to boast about wasn't what he did. I mean, if you were to look at Paul's resume, if you were a Jew of the day, man, he had quite the resume. 
If you look at his resume, even as a Christian who used to kill Christians, but now he's one of them, I mean, he has quite a resume. But the only thing Paul wanted to boast in was what? What Jesus had done. Because the cross confronts the truth about sin. That I am broken, that you're broken, that I am depraved, that you're depraved, that I was born as by sinner, by choice, and by nature, and that if I'm going to spend eternity with him in heaven, I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. I need him. And the cross reminds me the truth about my sin. The cross paints a picture of the bigness of God's love for me. Now think about that for a moment. I know we talk about it often. But think about the cross. Is that not the greatest demonstration of an eternal God's love for you and for me? That he would send his only begotten son and let the humanity that rebelled against him, that humanity to ridicule him, to rebuke him, to refuse him, and to beat him and abuse him and to crucify him. Why? Just so in 2023, a group of about 250 people could know that there's a God in heaven who loves you. See, the cross reminded Paul of God's love. But the cross is also, Paul would say the cross is also the place where we find forgiveness for our sin. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, there can be no forgiveness of sins. See, as a believer, we should be reminded because of the cross of our identity, our new identity in Christ. The cross reminds me of my sin debt. The cross reminds me of the love of God. But the cross reminds me, listen, church, I am forgiven. If you know Jesus your Savior, you are forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you're going. You stand today forgiven and innocent in the presence of God. Is that good news this morning? We need to be reminded of our new identity in Christ. The second thing is that they recognize their new priorities. Not only their new identity, that believers that boast in the cross recognize their new priorities. Look at me in verse 14 again. He says this, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He says, listen, I now live for Christ. I don't live for the world. The world and its desires and its pleasures is dead to me. And I'm dead to the world. This world has nothing for me. It's like David in Psalm 73 when he says, Who am I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you. Listen, church. The cross of Christ, if we're going to boast in the cross, yes, we need to boast and celebrate and recognize our identity in Christ that the cross reminds us of, but we need to boast and celebrate the fact that we have new priorities, that we live for Christ, not for this world. This world has nothing for us anymore. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. And here's what that means. That means that now my priorities are about seeking his kingdom first, not building my own kingdom. It means that my priorities now are about glorifying him with all I have and all I am, not glorifying self. It means that I'm, my priorities now are all about living for him and living in his purpose and for his purpose, not my own. My priorities have greatly been shaped and changed because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Paul's saying. This world's died to me. I've got new priorities my priorities, Paul would say, are shaped by what Jesus 
has done for me. The way I do my finances has been shaped because the cross. The way I manage my relationships has been shaped because the cross. The way I work and the way I'm a good employee or an employer has been shaped by the cross. The way I parent my kids has been shaped by the cross. My priorities of life have been shaped by the cross. Can we say that this morning? And he says this, if we boast in the cross, only they recognize their new identity, only they recognize their new priorities, but last of all, they recognize they are a new creation. Look at me in verse 15. I love what Paul says here. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You know what Paul says? Jesus changed me, not circumcision. Jesus changed me. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians, it says this, chapter 5. Let's throw it up on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? Come on, read it with me. Therefore, if he's in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Jesus took what was broken, and he made it whole. Jesus took what was hopeless, and he gave you hope. See, when I boast in the cross, when Paul boasts in the cross, when we boast in the cross, we're reminded of our new identity we have because of what he's done. We're reminded that we have new priorities because of what he's done. And we are reminded because of what he's done, I am a new creation in Christ. And so I want to end with the same question I started with. How are you going to choose to live your life? As you leave here today, How are you going to choose to live your life? Are you going to live your life seeking to impress other people? Are you going to live your life trying to seek out the approval of man versus the approval of God? Are you going to live your life trying to pose on people to keep a standard of living that you yourself are not willing to keep? Are you going to spend the rest of your life bragging on the flesh, what you've done, what you've accomplished? Are you going to spend the rest of your life Bragging on King Jesus, bragging on the cross, bragging on the new identity you have, the new creation that you are. Are you going to spend your time bragging on the cross and letting the cross change and shift the priorities in your life? How are you going to live? Boasting in the flesh? Boasting in the cross. Now look how Paul ends this. It's kind of this, here's what I want you to do, and if you do it, Here's my prayer for you. Look at me over 16 through 18. He says, and as for all who walk by this rule, in other words, who boast in the cross, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now, on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, spirit, brothers, amen. In other words, those of you that choose to boast in the cross of Christ, May you experience peace, mercy, and grace. But because he doesn't say it doesn't mean we can't assume the opposite too. Those of you that choose to boast in the flesh, you will never find the peace you're looking for. You'll never see the grace that he's offering. And you'll never experience the mercy he desperately wants you to have. So how are you going to live? Boast in the flesh? Are you going to boast in the cross? This morning, here's what I want to do. I want us all to stand. Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand. 
And this morning, I want to challenge all of us to a couple of things. Before we pray, listen, here's a couple of things I want to challenge all of us to. If you're a believer in the room, some of you are going to say, you know what, Doug? I've been boasting in my flesh. It's all about what I've done, what I can do. And I've been creating this facade of people, but that's not me. And you need to make a commitment today, right now, right where you stand, that I'm going to start boasting in the cross. I'm going to start boasting the one who saved me because I couldn't save myself. I'm going to boast the one who gave his life for me because I couldn't pay my debt myself. I'm going to start boasting in King Jesus and magnifying his name starting today, starting right now. Maybe you need to make that commitment. Maybe you've got some junk in your life and you want to come to this altar and say, Lord, I need a touch from you. Or maybe this morning, you don't know Christ. And you need a new identity. You need to find a place that you can be forgiven. You need to find a place where you can experience the love of God. You need to find a place that reminds you that you're broken, but Jesus wants to fix you and heal you, forgive you, and save you. That place is the cross. He died for you. Because he loves you. He took our sin debt. And paid the price for us. He went to the cross to demonstrate the greatest love we will ever know. And he went to the cross so that you and I could experience forgiveness for our sin. And if you've never experienced that today, would you just simply say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on that cross. And today, I ask you to come into my life. Save me. Change me. And forgive me for my sins. And listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if that was not just Doug's words, but that was the cry of your heart, your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now your eternity has been secure. Now it's about how you're going to live now. Let's live boasting in the cross. And if you made that decision, you were given a handout piece and came at the very bottom. There's a response part. Please fill that out. Let me have it. Drop it in a box. I want to celebrate with you on the greatest decision you'll ever make. So right now, let's all bow our heads Let's just pray. God, we love you. God, I thank you for today. God, as we wrap up this amazing book, um, Galatians, I, just, I feel the weight of the challenge that Paul is offering those Christians in the area of Galatia with just a question, how are we going to live? Are we going to spend our lives boasting in our own accolades? Are we going to spend our lives boasting in you. And God, we know how to find that answer out. We know how to find it out. Just by asking ourselves, what's the chief purpose in my life? To point people to me or to point people to you? So God, I pray for believers today. I pray that we would stop boasting in the flesh. And we would start boasting, bragging, celebrating, shouting from the rooftops, goodness, about the cross, our identity, how we're a new creation, and how our priorities have changed. And God, I pray for believers who are struggling today. Would they make that commitment? And they got to pray for those who don't know you as Savior. 
That today they might find that place of forgiveness. Today they might find that place that you ultimately demonstrated your love, and that was the cross. And they might receive it into the life and say yes to King Jesus. God, would you just be with us today? Would you move in this place? May your Holy Spirit just fall fresh on us today. Convict us, challenge us, but God, would you change us today from the inside out? We love you, Lord. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, as the Lord leads you, let's just respond.